This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you guys had a beautiful holiday yesterday. It's interesting for those that <laughs> got to really fully embrace it and get out there. Saw some of your photos. Uh, others were doing the self-quarantining thing like, like good human beings. No, you know, it's one of those funky times where, God bless it, we're all doing the best we can, right? I... I I keep saying, please, please, please know that all of your actions impact others. So I was let down in terms of care and compassion based on how some people chose to spend the holiday weekend. But others, um, hope you got the rest in. That's what I did. I'm using, I keep saying that, but this time for me, there's so much anxiety because there's so many different forces pushing in on us, right? Like we're worried about finances and employment. And I have a lot of people very dear to me that are struggling deeply, more so every every couple of weeks, right? Things are getting worse for some people. Others, it's the same. Some are thriving, and that's beautiful to hear and see. But um, yeah, you know, we're carrying the weight of a lot of different things, and so that's why I'm being very kind with myself. I've dropped the bar for myself. I've lowered my expectations. I'm kind of going with my flow, resting when I need to rest, turning down commitments if it doesn't feel like it's, I don't know, something that's going to be very nourishing. Um, yeah, so just be very thoughtful and sensitive. Keep checking in with your body when you're asked to do something. Does that feel good to me right now, or do I need to maybe lean out of that? Um, yeah, but uh, again, mental health matters. So keep asking others how their mental health is. Also keep asking yourself, how's my mental health today? You know, And sometimes it's nothing more than just that recognition or acknowledgement. That's all you need, right? It's just kind of bringing yourself back to your center and also checking in on ourselves and saying, how's my mental health? Could sometimes push you towards a solution. And again, not, not everything needs a solution. Often emotions that we struggle with need to just be carried and managed and a companion on our journey. And other times we have some solutions or tricks that we can use to sharp, uh, shave down the sharp edges a little bit. So anyway, I hope you all are taking care of yourselves. Great show planned for you. Great week of shows planned for you. Later in the show, we're going to talk about coping. Uh, I could talk about that every segment right now, self-care and coping, because I think that's what's most prominent for a lot of us in our lives. Uh, but we'll be talking about um, question of the night as well up on our Loveline IG page. So break that on down. And we're also going to be talking about just education, the impact on teachers and students of quarantine. And what are some of the things that maybe educators or you know family members want to consider? So that's all later in the show. But again, question of the night's up on our Loveline IG page, as well as the DMs. They're always open. And you can hear that I have a little bit of a sore throat. But, you know, I talk a lot. Okay, let's get into some news. This one's not good. Dr. Anthony Fauci says sending sick college students home is 
and I quote, the worst thing you can do. Of course it is. Someone who is not well, possibly COVID positive, don't send them back into an environment around other people. They have to be quarantined, and that's a problem. If a school's gonna open up and welcome the students back, they need to have a plan as to where the students should go if they need to be quarantined because of infections breaking out, which they are. The reopening process is not going well. But sending them home is not always the best environment. There might be people at home that are high risk, that are, well, just start with that, just high risk, isn't that bad enough? But even if not, we were talking last week about the huge spike in uh, infections for kids, underage kids. So it impacts everyone. Um, so you gotta, I mean, the, the outbreaks are inevitable. So Dr. Fauci's asking colleagues and colleges to not send students home. During an interview, he said that sending home kids home is the worst thing you can do because they're just going to infect more people along the journey home. And he's suggesting universities keep them at the university in place that is sequestered from other students, but don't have them go home because they could be spreading it there. I mean, kind of a no-brainer, but I think this, the colleges might be saying, ah, well, it's not our responsibility at that point. Also, the stress of working from home is getting to us. Yep, according to a survey done by Distillery, 65% of Americans working from home during the pandemic are working longer hours than ever before. Almost 70% of people said they're unable to maintain a healthy work-life balance now that their work is at home. And I think that's because there's no start or stop. There's no finite structure where when you're working at work, sometimes things can't be brought home or th some things have to be done there. Or there's the work hours, lunch break, um, clock out time. But when we're working at home, there's the possibility of drift where it's just kind of always over your head, always drifting. Other things come in and kind of maybe interrupt your work time so it spreads it out. So that's why I keep talking about boundaries. There should be a time where you're done. Like you go off the clock, the clock hours. I say work your office hours or maybe change them, but have a start time, a finish time. I do that. There's a certain time when I go unavailable. I turn my phone off. I, I'm no longer working. After I work a certain amount of hours a day, I have a right to do self-care, joy, pleasure, and rest, right? We, we don't, our, lot, our purpose on the planet isn't just to work, it's to live a life. We work so we can live that life. So make sure you're living it, right? Don't look back realizing all I did was work to the detriment of actually celebrating, you know, the purpose or the gifts of working. Uh, Batman production, this came out last week. Uh, it was halted after Robert Pattinson tested positive. I mean, we're gonna hear more of these things. So the new Batman, it's on pause. Bam, 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 that's how it goes. Let's kind of wrap up on this one. Um, wearing a mask during sex and avoiding kissing is what people are being advised to do. I thought we kind of already knew that, but I know it's been a length of time. People are looking for some gray areas. So basically wear your mask during sex. Hey, make it, make it kinky, make it hot. It doesn't have to be a bummer. I promise you, if you're having good sex and it's hot and feeling good, you will not care if you're wearing a mask, a clown wig, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't really matter. When the good is good, the good is good. So don't get hung up on, oh, wearing a mask is gonna take away from it. Uh, no it won't, you'll be good. All right, coming up next, we're gonna talk about things for educators to think about because of the impact of COVID on education. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. We got question of the night up on our Love Line IG page in the story, so we'll be checking that out as well as my live stream show every Thursday. It's called I'm Listening Live. Awesome guests. It's always an expert and a celebrity. We talk about the intersections of mental health and COVID. That's on all the radio.com handles, and that's Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, again on radio.com's Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube page. You can go back, check out past episodes, as well as old Loveline episodes on wearechannelq.com. 
And it's been cool doing the I'm Listening Live show because it's a deeper dive where I, I see some celebrity interviews and understandably it's about their music and the project they're working on. But my interviews, you know you know me, you listen to the show. I'm not, I'm not so much into that. Uh, I wanna talk about who they are, uh, how their art comes to be made, how their mental health is, what are their self-care practices? You know, how does, how does their life mimic their art? Uh, how do they stay inspired and well during COVID? So it's kind of more personal and it's really beautiful to see these celebrities be very vulnerable and talk about their process and their struggles. Everyone's been so vulnerable. And I think that that's something that we can all use to be empowered or also just to feel like we're not alone in what, what's going on for us. So anyway, I'm listening live as the show. Check it out. I usually repost um, on my IG story some of the upcoming guests. So anyway, good stuff. But um, a viral photo went, uh, a photo went viral, excuse me. And it showed, this is heartbreaking. And take the time to maybe Google this and see this because this is a real... This is a, 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 a real powerful sign of what, what's going on right now. So it's two kids doing their homework outside of Taco Bell. They're sitting you know, outside the door, but you know, as far as they can away from the door in front of a bush. Now, why do you think these two youngins are doing their homework outside Taco Bell? It's because they don't have Wi-Fi at home. And that's what's coming up with having to work from home and having to go to school from home. Not everyone has and can afford Wi-Fi. So there's something very classist in saying, just work from home or go to school from home. Are you providing Wi-Fi? Because that's an expense that some people can't afford or don't have. And there's this assumption that you do. I had someone ragging on me about the power of my Wi-Fi. And I was like, I, look, I don't know anything about that. This is the Wi-Fi I have. And if that's not going to work for me, then this doesn't work, right? Like things can only, there's only so many expectations you put upon someone. And also remember, there's a multitude of people at home possibly trying to use the same Wi-Fi. And in some families, there's one computer. And if mom or dad or another person in the home needs to be using it, the student can't. And so not only cannot everyone afford Wi-Fi, not everyone has access to a computer or a computer during the times that class is supposed to be had. So again, is the school or the job providing computers? Because the Wi-Fi and the computer thing aren't something everyone has access to. And then when we see two kids sitting outside Taco Bell, and obviously it's somewhere cold because they're wearing little hoodies, that, that is not okay. And they should be able to say to the school, we don't have Wi-Fi. And so if education goes online, that's to be something you provide or you give access to. And so I have a lot of questions about it, but I just want to point that out, that schools are opening, people are having to do school from home or work from home, and not everyone has the same resources. Then you have to tackle on top of that, that there's a multitude of people at home. Not everyone has a large enough space where they can go into a quiet or separate room to maybe work from home or to do their schoolwork or to be in class. Sometimes there's tons of other pets, family members or others working and it's not going to be quiet and they're going to be distracted. So let's then roll on to another one. Some students are mandating that their screen be turned on and I understand why. You wanna make sure that they're there and they're present, but not everyone has a safe space around them. Not everyone feels comfortable in their environment. And it's also a little threatening to have everyone staring at you and to be staring at everyone. So there's a psychological mental health piece where everyone's looking into your home. And for some people, home's a safe space and to bring work or school into it does have a mental health impact. And here's the, that, you know, it's another example where some of these systems and institutions don't care about the impact on mental health. And school's awesome, education's important, clearly I value it. But 
so does mental health. And we have to take that into account. And so we, everyone can't have the same expectation upon them. Hear me say that again. You can't say, well, that's just what everyone's doing. No, everyone has different needs. Everyone is different. So everyone needs a different accommodation. You can't give the same standard to everyone. Everyone lives in a different scenario with different people and have different resources and access to things. That has to be taken into account. And so what does that mean? It means go easy on the kids. Go easy on your, on your employees working from home, but for the teachers and educators, go easy on the students. You don't know what kind of environment they're in. For some people as well, you know, let's say they do have the laptop. Let's say they do have the internet. Are they in a safe environment? Maybe they're in an abusive household with a lot of anger and aggression. What kind of impact does that have on them when they're trying to sit there going to school? For some, leaving the home to go to class is a nice reprieve from being home. Those studies are showing that kids are doing really well being at home. Uh, because again, for some, school isn't a safe space. For some, school is a place of bullying, of rejection, of marginalization, of anxiety and depression. I hated grade school and high school. I never felt safe there. I was always this queer radical kid, feminist, tatted out, rock and roll. And those are institutions that are all about whitewashing. They're homophobic. They're racist. They're classist. It was a mess. And so for me, I would have done better going to school at home. But that's because I had access to internet and a computer. But again, not everyone does. So again, my point is just that everyone's gonna have a different need and the expectations can't be the same. And so we have to drop the bar and we have to be willing to give options. Some of you may turn your camera on, some of you may not. Some of you may be able to participate with mute off and some may need muted because you're literally going to class in a living room where your two brothers and sisters and pets are running around, right? Um, also seeing dress codes, why does it matter? Let them wear sweatpants. Like, let's just be honest. They're at home. Let it be comfortable. <laughs> Let them wear sweatpants everywhere anyway. I mean, I keep advocating for that. I hope to never wear anything other than sweatpants moving forward, I was saying. And I'm partially serious, you know? I think that these things really matter. So it was really heartbreaking to see that image. If you, you know, want your heartstrings tugged on, um, check it out. That kind of stuff bums me out. So anyway, coming up next, we're going to talk about what to do and how to know if your partner isn't sure they want to be in a relationship with you. That's the big struggle, right? Everyone wants safety. They want to just know what this is. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right. Talking about relationships. Ah, it's the bane of a lot of people's existence. It's the core of our mental health. Yes, our relationships are core of our mental health. How they're going, the quality of them, the quantity, the consistency, all those things mimic and uh, match and intersect and are part of our mental health, so it all matters. And one of the most destabilizing things for a lot of people is early relationship, especially early dating, when you're not sure what's going on, what they want, do they like you, who are they? It's a very tenuous time for people. It's when our self-esteem and our self-worth is really called upon. That's where you really learn a lot about how much self-worth you have. And I mean that in a non-shaming way. It's important to learn and to realize where the work might be. Look at your dating style, early on especially. Are you very anxious and insecure or are you kind of chilled out because you know that you have a lot to offer and a lot of worth and value and if it works, it works and if it doesn't, there's others. Like all these things tie in. So our body esteem, our self-esteem, what we think our market value and desirability is, all these things are gonna show up in our relating and dating style. And if you tend to be someone who feels unsure, insecure and anxious, there's some self-esteem and body esteem work to do. You know, and there's so many different ways to tackle that. But um, don't lead or date from your anxiety. Now, what this often centers around in early relationship is, do they want me? Do they like me? 
Am I acceptable? Am I accepted? Am I desired? Am I desirable? It's all this big constellation. It's a big ball. And people, when they enter early relationship, this is the standard model. I know there's a lot of exceptions to this. There's people that are in open styles, more poly, more into relational anarchy, all these different things that aren't rooted in monogamy in one person. And that's what causes a lot of the anxiety. Because when you're in a monogamous centered world and that's what you want, you do need to be a little anxious because you're essentially dating in a way where you're saying, I'm trying to find the partner that's gonna meet all of my needs. Because that's the monogamy marriage. All my emotional and sexual and physical needs are supposed to be from this one person. So yeah, you should be a little anxious because that's a lot of expectation on one person. And so it's even more imperative that you're dating, really focusing on compatibility and chemistry, which means we're dating authentically from the door because I really need to see who you are. Uh, so if you're going to be playing games about waiting to call them back and playing hard to get and blah, 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 all that mess, which means I don't have a lot of self-esteem, um, you're more, it's going to be better off if you play those games while open or in a non-monogamous style, because eh, you can get away with some of that, meaning you don't need this one person to meet all your needs. So, um, that's part of that stress. And so I understand why it's there, but again, the level of intensity of that is going to speak to your mental health and whether or not you have work to do. So a couple things. One of the ways that people get messed up is I think they ask too many future-oriented questions too soon. And what I mean by that is I understand where people have goals or a vision of what they want now, later, and latest, right? Maybe they want to have children. Maybe they want to move out of the city or to the city. Maybe they want to you know, buy a home. Um, but remember, the difficulty in all of this is that no one can promise who they'll be. No one can promise what they'll need or what they'll want. They can't. Some people will come forward very firm in who they believe or what they believe they'll want or who they'll be, but that's not necessarily real. So we have to date people based on who they are when we meet them. That's it. I, you have no idea if they're gonna get better, they're gonna get worse, what direction. Life happens and often the most powerful transformative things can't be accounted for. So when you're casually talking to someone and you say, hey, do you want kids? Well, from the perspective of them sitting on their couch in their sweatpants during COVID, just getting to know you, that's gonna be one answer. They can only speak from that moment. Nah, right now, I don't think so. And then if you say, all right, well, then it's not gonna work. Really? You don't know where they're gonna be or who they'll be in a year, three years, or five years. They might be COVID's over, gainfully employed, doing well, and then of course at that moment they can conceive of it. So I tell people to hold those questions lightly. We don't know where we'll be or who we'll need. We have a high rate of divorce. That just shows us that who we are when we meet isn't who we are down the road. So the best you can really do is try to be authentic along the way, letting people know how you're changing, what your needs are. But these hard lines and ultimatums, I just don't agree with because again, people change their minds. People might enter from the beginning saying, yeah, I want kids, da, da, da. And then once you form a relationship with them and maybe there's a lot of conflict, financial struggles, they might say, this is not right for me or a good time and that shifts. We also don't always even know what our bodies are able or capable of producing. Um, so it's really hard for people to project into the future, but people want so many boxes to be checked or unchecked right away and can't do that. And so, yeah, you have to just casually meet people, see if the chemistry and compatibility is there and see what you can co-create, not 100% knowing. So I understand asking some of these questions to get a sense, but like they can't be promised. They can't be really solid expectations. People will grow and change and you'll hear a lot of that. Well, that's not who you were when I met you. You're right, of course I'm different, you know? And it always will be that way. So you can't date someone or bet your future on potential. The best you can do is look at who they are now. 
and see how that goes. And each step along the way, month by month, year by year, checking in, seeing if it's still working, seeing if you still want, you know? So it's okay to have some clear limits. You can say, I don't want to date someone who actively drugs or drinks or whatever it is. So there's things like that, but that's still in the very present tense. You know, right now, based on where I'm at, I don't want to date someone who's really into nightlife. I say that. I don't drink. I don't like bars and nightclubs. So I have no interest in dating someone who right now has their social world centered around that. I don't know where they'll be in three years. They might grow out of that. But right now matters. Dating them right now counts. My mental health dating them this next six months to a year is, 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 does matter. It can't be always, oh, I'm thinking about the future. Right now counts and matters too. And the future, we don't even know if that will even come or what that will be like. So many things happen. So it has to be very present-centered, but people hang, get hung up on that. All right, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I met this guy over Tinder back in June. And we've been doing pretty well. He told me that he's looking to find someone for the long haul and that when he talks to someone he's into, he shuts off all communication with everyone else to focus on that person. Cool, same. <laughs> Last week, I was scrolling through Bumble with my roommate and his profile came up as we were scrolling. Now, it's not a bad thing to keep your options open and I'm not mad at him still being on dating sites, but do I have a right to be upset that he lied to me? Well, a couple things. <laughs> do you have a profile on Bumble? Is that why you were swiping? So, you know, again, I don't believe in fair is fair. I believe in who am I and what do I need and what's okay for me. So maybe that person needed to be keeping their options open and you didn't, whatever. My bigger point is upset. Um, ah, Man, I don't know because I don't know how solid that statement was. I don't know if he was saying in general, once I really connect with someone, I tend to focus on them, meaning eventually he would get there with you but right now it's too early and so that's not being utilized yet. Like I don't, I don't know where he meant he was with you and with that. So maybe you're expecting that too soon, but um, if you're on there, then I'm assuming you're still considering your options and so let it go. If it's very, oh wait, wait June, June, July, August, September. Sorry, I was not playing, paying attention. Well, so it's four months in, so you've definitely been getting to know him. Here's my thing. At the end of the day, I want people to have adult conversations. At the end of the day, I'm all about people getting clarification. I'm not a fan of people making assumptions, asking their friends what they think, thinking what they would do, because the only person who has the real truth is the person. So here's the question. Do you want something serious with this person? Because if you don't, and that's why four months later you're on Tinder, then all's well, because you don't want something serious with them anyway, or you're happy to consider other options. And so then you should also be happy that he is too, because you are as well, and that should make you feel good. You know, originally he said he wouldn't be talking to anyone else. I am. It's good he is. That means we're actually on the same page. So that's my question. If you're looking to focus on one person monogamously and he's not, then you need to talk about that. Why are you on Bumble? Is that a sign that you're not looking for something serious? Because if not, great that he isn't either. If you are, get off that and tell him, tell him the truth. I'm all about that. Hey, I was on Bumble because it was my roommate's account. And I was looking at what they were scrolling and seeing, and I saw you came up. Interesting. Can we talk about what that means, what that's about? No one did anything bad or wrong. He's allowed to do that. You are not monogamous, but you're allowed to own your experience. You saw it. It's kind of when someone goes through someone's phone. That's emotionally abusive. That's gross. But you're going to have to deal with what you saw, and you have to own it. Hey, I went through your phone. That's horrible. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I don't trust you. 
Um, I also need to talk about what I found because I found something, you know, and that's part of that. Like have adult conversations. If I was you, I'd bring it up. I bring everything up. I do. I bring everything up because I don't have any lack of self-worth or self-esteem. I think I'm worth dating and I think it's okay to talk about things. I value intimacy and transparency. So yeah, you got to bring it up. It's one of those funky things, you know? Um, but again, if they're not committed, he's doing what he needs to do. That's what's messy about these dating apps. Uh, I, I always tell people if you meet someone on an app after you exchange numbers, delete them and block them. They don't need to be tracking the where of what you're doing. You don't need to be tracking where of what they're doing. You've gotten their phone number. The dating app served its purpose. Lingering, keeping them around is just to track and date people you trust and people that trust you and we're well. And if you can't trust them, you shouldn't be dating them. So these ways that we try to police by seeing if they're still going on the apps is a sign that you don't trust them. And that means you have work to do yourself or you need to be dating someone worthy of that trust. But it's a sign that something's lacking. And so if you don't want anything serious, let it go because you're both on the same page and neither one of you do. Uh, or if you do, use it as a moment to talk about maybe monogamy or whatever it is that you think you need. You know, Use it as a conversation starter. Uh, Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore the confidence. Question of the night later in the show that's always up on our Loveline IG page in the stories and the DMs come from the DMs on uh, the Loveline IG page as well. So drop your questions in there and coming up next we're going to talk about coping tips, ways to cope. It's something we all need to think more about right now. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. Time to talk about coping. So, okay, we talked about this a little bit. Let's make the distinction again between self-care and coping mechanisms. Coping mechanisms are the things we do to get through tough times, period. It's not positive, it's not negative, it's just what we do. It's just an objective discussion of what you use to deal with tough times. Self-care means it's always acts rooted in care. They are things that leave us nourished and better off. They are not things that deplete us. Alcohol use is not self-care, why? Because it doesn't have positive impacts on you. It is toxic for every system in your body. It leaves you hungover, it leaves you dehydrated, it amplifies emotions. So alcohol is a coping mechanism, it's a, 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 a something people use to cope, but it is not self-care because self-care is always positive and beneficial and soothing and healing. And so there's a distinction. I want people to focus on self-care. What are things I can do that make my day better and help me get through that have a positive impact on me? Where coping mechanism is a larger umbrella of all the things, some of them have a negative impact, right? And so, yeah, right now, sleep more, self-care. Eat highly nutritious, good food, self-care. Limit or don't drink right now, self-care. Coping mechanisms might be Things like drinking, energy drinks. So let's talk about them. Right now, limiting consumption of the news. Uh, that's a coping mechanism. It's gonna have some negatives, some positives. Negatives are you're not gonna know what's going on in the world. Positives are you're gonna be more relaxed and refreshed. I'm limiting massively my exposure to the news. I'm only really engaging it in order to do love line. Otherwise, I'm focusing on rest and healing. Hanging out with my friends, I'm reading, I'm sleeping. Uh, forms of sexuality, I'm cooking, I'm learning to cook, I'm making healthy vegan meals, I'm moving and exercising, that's what I'm doing. I'm not watching the news. I don't need to know minute by minute what's happening. Uh, I also don't always even trust a lot of the news sources. I mean, we now know that the CDC, the Trump administration's gotten involved and we can't even trust what's coming out of them. So it's a funky time. So limit the exposure and consumption of news and that means social media. 
your social media posts are news. Even though it might not be related to what's going on in, in your state or your country or the world, news is still information about what's going on around you. And so be thoughtful about how much time you're spending immersed in the news. Be thoughtful about how you're feeling. And if you start to feel overwhelmed or stressed, turn it off. And also limit it where you don't start it, start your day jumping into the news because that's a really horrible way to start your day. And also don't end your day with the news. Let it be something that happens in the middle of the day when you have a lot of energy because energy is required for us to take care of ourselves and to deal with emotional regulation. And so don't look at the news at the beginning of the day or at the late end of the day, right? Also, get good sleep. Sleep is probably the best thing for everything. Sleep can heal a lot of things. So the number one thing to help with physical and mental health is always going to be sleep, good sleep. And again, that means turning off the news at least an hour more before bed, not being on your apps or your phone at least an hour more before bed, doing transitional things into bed. Don't just go from television on the couch, jumping into bed, transition in, only use your bed for sleep or sex. So it's associated with restful, pleasurable things. Um, get at least eight hours and, and remove things like alcohol or other things that might interrupt a good amount of sleep. Alcohol can help you fall asleep, but it doesn't help you stay asleep, right? And the components of alcohol to help you fall asleep wear off and wear down, and then we sometimes wake up or we don't have restful sleep. So pay attention to um, the quality of your sleep. Also, start and maintain a routine so that you're not just floating through the day, right? Where you don't know what time it is, what day it is. Wake up at a certain time, every day at the same time. Maybe go to bed every day at the same time. Maybe every day at a certain time, have your meals or have your, your exercise, workout, or movement. Um, you know, structure and schedule make us feel like we're part of something. Structure and schedule ground us. Structure and schedule also reduce anxiety and depression. And it can be hard for some people the night before the day of to not have anything going on with their day. And that's why the night before or the morning of, you can plan out a day so that you are active, you're distracted, you're engaged, right? Those are the things we need and those are the things that are gonna help. So really, really, really focus on that. Also, don't make any major life decisions right now. Things are amplified. Things are overwhelming. People aren't at their best. So now's not the time to make decisions about your relationship, about education, maybe about your career. For some people, though, they are motivated and they're getting back in school. They're doing it right now. And it's coming from a really healthy, grounded place. So that's kind of the caveat. Don't make major life decisions if you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed. That's never a place from which to make any decisions. If you're feeling really grounded and robust and you're thriving right now, I'm going to be more willing to really support decisions that you make. And then finally, just know that things change. Everything changes. Everything always changes. Maybe that means it's going to get a little worse, but at some point that means it also flattens out or it gets better. So it's just about hanging in there. And that's kind of what I'm saying to some people. Right now, it's just about hanging in there. Things that can't be made better always. For some people, things are just horrible right now. And the work in therapy with them is just learning how to manage it, reduce some of it, find some joy nonetheless, but just kind of hanging in there, right? It's a funky time for all of us. We're doing the best we can. So yeah, do your best. That's what we're all doing. And again, drop the bar down, lower expectations on you and everyone around you. Honestly, drop the bar for everyone. Let Give people a little bit of an out. Let them be in that gray area a little bit. We're all struggling. We're all in this. We're all doing the best we can. You know, it's not not the best time for a lot of us. Um, okay, coming up next, we are going to talk about sex and quarantine. It's fascinating. It keeps coming up. Keep getting asked about it. We're going to talk more about it. And then question of the night. So still some time to weigh in on that. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. <laughs> time to talk about six. So... Since the beginning of COVID, the departments of public health have pretty much all been on the same page with the same recommendations, which is don't. 
<laughs> and they were saying, you know, you can have sex, but first the safest sex is sex with yourself, right? Solo sex, masturbation. Why? Well, you're not coming in contact with anyone. You know, that's always going to be the safest sex. Uh, sex is always about safer, right? There's no perfectly safe sex. Anytime you're talking about coming in contact with a human being, we're talking about aerosols. We're talking about sweat, body fluids, um, mental health impact. And so masturbation will generally be the safer option for everyone, especially right now. Then we push it forward and we say, look, if you are cohabitating with someone or you are in a, you know, agreement with someone, that's going to be maybe a little little, a little safer, right? But again, anytime you're encountering another person, you're up against everything else they're doing. Who are they touching? What are they out in the world doing? What precautions are they following? Are they wearing a mask? Are they high risk? So much like we have to talk about STDs and STIs, we have to talk about COVID infection. So yes, ask people, were you tested? When's last time you're tested? What, what kind of protections have you been taking? Are you often out in the world? Are you often out in the world with others that are not taking precautions? What about the people you're living with? We have to talk about these things. This matters. People are dying from COVID still. And the high risk, people we thought they're high risk, we now know it's bigger and outside of that. So we have to be asking these questions anytime we're going to come in contact with someone else. So again, the first one is the safest way is masturbation, followed by people that you are isolating with or are themselves isolating and they're making a commitment that they're not seeing others. Now there's a flaw in that because I was talking to a friend who claimed that he was only having sex with three people and the group of them had decided that they'd only have sex with themselves, the four. And then he mentioned having sex with someone outside of that. And I thought, okay, you just set that whole group at risk because you're, you're having sex with someone outside of that bond and commitment. And what if some of the other people in your bond and commitment are also taking some little loopholes and gray areas? So it's a massive game of trust. So again, sex with yourself is the first, sex with others that are self-isolating with you. And then we move into the more kinky creative things. Uh, mutual masturbation, have, leave the door open, have them come in and sit across the room from you, sit near you, wearing masks. That's gonna be very, very, very safe. Glory holes, where we're just literally using our anatomy through a carved out area. Again, it's really about protecting the face from aerosols. So the answer to all this is anything that can involve wearing a mask and as much distance as possible. Wash your hands before and after so that you're not contacting it surface-wise. But yeah, if you're gonna have sex with someone, wear a mask. And we're talking in the other segment about how funny that is to many, but I promise you, if the sex is good and hot, you don't care what they're wearing on their face. Close your eyes. It's about saving your life, and sex shouldn't be something that puts your life at risk. That is a hard boundary. Sex shouldn't be something that injures us, makes us worse off, or puts our life at risk. Because then we're stepping outside of sex, and we're using sex in service of something else. So it's not sex. Right, Sex for me is rooted in pleasure, fun, entertainment, connection, intimacy, whatever it is, but it doesn't harm us or the other person. So be very, 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 very thoughtful about that. So again, we start looking at the behaviors. As, we're, as long as you're wearing a mask and you can wash your hands, we can use the rest of our bodies the best we can. Be using penetration in positions where we're not making eye contact or face contact so their face is turned away, again, while wearing a mask, washing our hands. But again, there's a lot of really amazing toys that can allow us to have sex from a distance or we are distanced by using the toys on each other. We're wearing masks, our faces are leaning away from each other. But for some people it's about going just really celibate except for sex with themselves is gonna be the safest thing to do, especially if you're around people that are meeting criteria for being the highest risk. And that is where all the decisions we're making are having impact on those around us as well. Just to talk about the creative ways of being, remember, you know, this might be a time to really amp up your own sexual self. Your solo self, a lot of people often just masturbate with their hands. Awesome, now's maybe the time to do some exploring with toys, really amp it up. Uh, that's something you can extend to partners down the road, but get some sex toys, go online, 
you can see some really fascinating things. Find something you haven't tried. Try incorporating areas of your body that you traditionally don't allow to be utilized within sex. You know, just getting a vibrator and letting it be used on literally every part of your body, on your arm, on your thigh, on your chest, um, on your genitals, that's another way to just amp up some, some, some switch, some change. But also, you know, explore the kind of pornography you're looking at. Really expand what you're turned on by. Check out different kinds of bodies and behaviors and different sites that normally don't fall under what you are traditionally keeping yourself maybe trapped in. Expand outside of that, right? Also, I was reading an article that was talking about the rise in audio porn. Maybe check out some of that where people are telling stories, talking about experiences. Um, all of our senses have the capacity to really amp up sexuality and turn us on, but we often just really focus more on the visual or touch, and we ignore the audio, and even things like smells. Try to incorporate some smells. That could be essential oils, burning something, um, plants around you. That's another way to change the environment. But I love the audio porn thing because it really reminds us that if we close our eyes, just listening can really be arousing. And then we're left just with ourselves and our body. So now's the time to get really explorative. What are the parts of your body you ignore? How can we fold them in? Maybe slowing down the amount of time that you're having solo sex. Do you normally do it as something that you're rushing? Let it take its time. Vocalize. Do you stay quiet? What if you're home alone? Can you start trying to make some sounds and some noises? Because fully embodied sex is going to be about moving our bodies in the way it wants, touching our entire body, right? Really losing ourselves in the experience, vocalizing and making different sounds. We're not trying to look a certain way. We're not trying to sound a certain way. We're just really being ourselves in our bodies, in the moment, in our pleasure. Very explorative, very powerful. And these are skills and things that you can take out into the world when it's safe again to have fully partnered sex, which right now it isn't, but there will be a time again when it will be, and that's gonna matter most then. And so just kind of extend, allow, expand, challenge yourself. Don't just be as limited as it's me and another person and we have to do it old school. So anyway, now's the time for us to all grow and challenge ourselves. Coming up next is a question of the night. So that's on our Loveline AG page in the story. Time is still weighing on that. And then some DMs. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, time for question of the night. Apple and Google are using Bluetooth technology on your phones to track COVID. You'll get an alert when you go near someone who's tested positive for coronavirus. Question of the night is, do you think that's too invasive? And if so, why? Now, we were talking last week about how uh, Elon Musk of Tesla was... Uh, what would you call it? He was um, showing, he was presenting, he was putting out there and kind of did a press conference around a blue chip, uh, a chip that was put in a pig's brain and that soon could be available for humans. Uh, I don't know. You know, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. I think technology is a really beautiful thing. It's definitely enhanced our lives in many ways. It's also made our lives harder. Uh, it's made us too available and the expectations on our availability has become problematic. People are used to being, you know, accessible at all times, always. And um, look, I think that coronavirus is killing people. So I understand the drive to do whatever you need to do to flatten that. But I also understand that, you know, government control and having companies track us, it's going to lead to a lot of different problems. And not everyone's going to feel safe that way. Not everyone's here in the country in a way where they feel safe and supported. And some people are afraid of being, you know, forced to leave. And other people that are exploited and, and minority are going to really not necessarily feel safe being surveillanced like that. So question tonight is, do you think that's too invasive? And if so, why? First person said, the more you know, the better. I don't know what you mean when you say that, though. Meaning it's good to know that they're tracking us so we can take care of ourselves and shut that down. Or 
it's really, really, really good to know who you've come in contact with. I'll say this. I'm on the fence with both. I like some of it and I hate it at the same time. I more hate it than I like it, but I'm not mad if I got an alert saying, look, you were near someone who tested positive, you know, go get checked out. So that part of it I, I'm down for, but I don't want people having the ability to just determine for me that they can see where I'm at without me, you know, giving permission for that. So again, question night is Apple and Google are using Bluetooth technology to track COVID you get the possibility of an alert if you're near someone who's positive. Do you think that's invasive? Why? Someone said not too invasive, especially if it helps to open up things faster. And I think that's what a lot of people are saying collectively. Like, look, we're all impacted by the spread of this. Some of y'all will not chill out on partying and, you know, not taking care of how you're impacting others. So we've lost access to our jobs and the things that we find fun and meaningful in the world. We want to get that back as soon as possible. So if you got to track me to do that, then track me, which is kind of the thing with the vaccine. Like, you know, I, I will do the vaccine. I think vaccines are meaningful and helpful. I do have some concerns about vaccine use, but I think the benefit outweighs some of the concerns, right? But more to come on that. So again, Apple and Bluetooth, I'm sorry, Apple and Google are tracking us for Corona. Do you find that invasive? And if so, why? Someone else said, it's a nice change up from them using the tech to overload me with ads about things I talk about. See, that's my point. That's where I'm not comfortable with this. I also am flooded, like most of us, with these horrible ads around things that I'm not interested in or I've already purchased or I find offensive. Like I don't need to be told anymore that, that, that the world thinks I need a quote-unquote gym body and that right now I need to be calorie counting and looking at my macros and using this piece of equipment. Like get out of there. Like, see, like the diet culture and the body culture and gym culture stuff is so offensive to me and I'm flooded with it. So yeah, I guess I'd rather have technology used in service of tracking COVID than capitalism and trying to figure out how to make me spend more money on things I absolutely don't need because they do not make life better. Uh, question tonight though is again, your thoughts on being tracked to, uh, excuse me, on technology that tracks you for Corona. Do you think it's invasive? Someone said it feels invasive to be honest. I don't like the access. I know. That's my first thought is it feels invasive. I hear you. We should be able to opt in or opt out. Just part of living in a democracy. And our bodies are our bodies. And we get to decide what happens to them. We should. We should get to decide at all times what happens with our bodies when it doesn't impact others. And uh, this is that gray area. Is it doesn't, it doesn't. And it's a really funky one. I wish people just collectively said, listen, laws shouldn't have to be made telling me what I can do and where I can go and that I have to wear a mask because I just intuitively have compassion and care and I will follow those guidelines because I do care about others' health and my impact on others. So no need to pass that law. I'm gonna wear that mask because I'm a compassionate, thoughtful person. We don't live in that world and that's why these things do exist, but that's the goal and the world I'd wanna live in. So question of the night is about your thoughts on technology by Google and Apple that track COVID, meaning tracking you. Is that invasive? And if so, why? Someone said, ultimately, isn't this a HIPAA violation? I guess it depends on how it's being used. Um, bum, 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 what they do with it. Uh, yeah, but I, I appreciate what you're saying. It's health information. Somebody else said, hell yeah, it's invasive. Absolutely not okay. I know, that's my first entry point. And then I kind of further unpack it. And it's not that I'm 100% then comfortable. I just start to understand how it could help but again, not fully confident and comfortable with it. It's complex, right? It's nuanced. A lot of this stuff is. Someone else said, even in a pandemic, we should get to vote on it. I know, I know, I know. I hear you on that one. We'll see what happens. Uh, this is kind of the first time I'm really hearing about it, so I'm not really sure how it's being managed with others and 
what kind of, you know, collective rally cry we have around it. So we'll see. All right, y'all. Thanks to those that participated and for being vulnerable. Again, uh, question night's always up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. Coming up next is DMs, which are also always open. So drop us your question. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore it with confidence. This DM asks, hey, Dr. Chris, how do you navigate sex with a non-binary person as a beginner? They were born male, but identify as they and them and have expressed not wanting to have penetrative sex or being touched below the waist. We've openly talked about safe words and exploring each other's bodies in other ways, but as someone who's so used to and likes penetrative sex, what else can I do to adapt? Thanks so much. That is such a beautiful question because what I hear in this is what I want everyone to do, which is you have so much care and compassion for the other person and yourself, and you want sex to be what it should be. You know, really healing, nourishing, fun, intimate, pleasurable, joyful thing. And that's what it should be, right? No one should be forced to engage themselves or their bodies in ways that they don't feel comfortable or safe with. And for some individuals, their bodies are something that they're at odds with, whether they're trans, non-binary, or cis. Some people don't feel comfortable in their body due to trauma, not meeting you know desirability standards as set forth by our culture uh, because of their body size. Anatomy comes into it. Some people feel like their anatomy is too big, too small. Uh, body hair comes into that, skin color. And so you're asking a really beautiful question that I think has a very needed educational moment in it, which is we can't make assumptions. And I don't want us to. Every time you're with a new partner, you have to enter it saying, I need to be curious who they are, how they prefer to be seen, how they refer to their body, and what sex means to them. Because remember, let me use a side example. We now know that there's such a thing as being a side. Usually we talk about sex, whether kink, or in same-sex relationships as top or bottom, right? Some people are aside. Some people don't like penetrative sex. And that's healed a lot of people to realize I don't have to penetrate or be penetrated. I can have sex in all the other ways. Why? Because sex is bigger than just penetration. Sex is about two people, three people, however it is. It's about people coming together to derive pleasure and intimacy and joy with their bodies. That's sex. And sex doesn't even always use our bodies. It's about creating eroticism. And so for some people, they maybe prefer non-touch-based sexuality or sex that doesn't involve genitals or whatever it may be. So we now know that some people are top, some people are bottom, some people are side, some people are fluid. But we also move into the realm, you can't decide based on someone's sexual orientation or their gender presentation, what they'll want or what they'll enjoy. So yes, we enter curious. We also have to ask them what words they like to have used to talk about their bodies. Some people will refer to their genitals as all sorts of different things. And it's very fluid and it changes based on whether they're trans, cis, non-binary. Some people do like the more traditional cis or hetero terms. Others don't. And that's not who they are. That's not how they see their bodies. That's not how they derive safety or pleasure. So you have to ask, do you want, what do you want that referred to as? Not everyone calls it their vagina. Some people call it a front hole because they want the dissociation from the female body. So they'll say front hole, back hole. Some people want to say clitoris. Other people want to call it their small penis. It's all about asking them. Some people will use a prosthetic and they'll want that to be referred to as their penis or maybe they don't. Uh, some people that are in a maybe a hetero relationship and the, fe and the female partner is gonna strap on a phallus, maybe the male receiving doesn't want that to be called a penis because to him, that's moving too much towards a homosexual behavior. And for him, it's just a sex toy. 
you know? So you have to ask questions. So that's kind of the, the answer initially is you navigate it by following their lead, right? Because we want this person to enjoy pleasure and we want them to feel good with us. So we ask questions, we follow their lead. That's also part of consent, right? Knowing that who they are when we first meet them will not be who they'll always be. A comfort will develop. Maybe they'll be willing to more to explore more. But your sexual needs matter too. And so you have a right to assert yourself and to say, oh, that sounds good to me or that actually doesn't sound good to me. What would sound better to me because my pleasure matters is this. So it's okay that you prefer penetrative sex. It's okay for you to always let that be known that if there's a willingness or an ability to do penetrative sex in some capacity, that would be meaningful to you. And in what ways might they be willing to do that? How close might they be to get? Could it be tongues, fingers, toys? What, what can exist to do that? So follow their lead, stay curious, stay open, value that although you might most enjoy penetrative sex, what is sex really about for you? And if it's about connection and pleasure and intimacy, really honor and value the other ways that that can happen. You know, because I want us to always expand and be a little bit bigger and more uh, fluid than I just like it this way, right? Because that might just be more of a habit or a pattern or socialized into thinking that that's more real or whatever it might be. And so we want to always push back on our own edges and limits because, again, often those aren't honest, authentic, and they're often just socialized and borrowed from borrowed from other people's understandings, you know, and they can really limit us. But always enter curious, ask questions, follow the person's lead, and it's a journey. You know, it's a journey that we go on. Uh, Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence. That's our show. Check out old episodes at wearechannelq.com. Make sure you are reading my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. For more sex, relationships, love, and mental health tips, and follow me on Instagram at Dr. Donahue as well as at Loveline. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we're going to talk about alcohol, reasons why people drink, really examining and looking at our relationship to alcohol. It's going to be important stuff, so join us tomorrow. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me, and you have a beautiful, beautiful night.